Welcome to Nostalgia, your favorite pop culture podcast where we have deep conversations about superficial things. I'm Nicole, your host, and each week we unlock core memories from the 90s, 2000s, and beyond while examining the past through a contemporary lens. Our guests are pop culture tastemakers who explore how our formative experiences shape how we see the world. We talk about trends, fashion, music, identity, consumer behavior, societal attitudes, and more. Nostalgia is a reminder of how our individual and collective memories make us feel like we belong. And if you like Nostalgia, be sure to follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend who loves pop culture as much as we do. Plus, we have a lot of fun. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nostalgia. I'm super excited because I have not one, not two, but three amazing guests with me here today. I know them through our, I guess we're going to just call it a social club to make it the easiest thing possible, Friends with Benefits. When I got in a few months ago, I joked that because people had always asked, wait, aren't you a part of this group already? And I was like, no, I was in no strings attached, you know, the other social doubt. Um, oh. Because if you remember, anybody listening, I'm sure you remember, there were two movies that came out in 2011 at the same exact time, No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits. I can never remember off the top of my head which one was Ashton Kutcher and which one was Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman, but... That's okay. We're here now. So thank you guys for being here. Of course. Thanks for, Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, of course. We are all here because we have a shared interest in how pop culture and art and tech intersect. And I think that's so exciting. Fabiola, you're a net art AI glitter artist. And if you told me when I was a kid that glitter artists could be a job, <laughs> come on, like that's the dream right there. So I want to hear a little bit about how this was kind of the niche that you arrived at within the art world and, and how you were kind of inspired to pursue this avenue that's like super kitschy and super fun. Well, I I think I I kind of dated my my title because I was just like I don't want to just say that I'm an AI artist and I don't want to say I'm a new media artist because I'm not o only like a very serious artist like I like to play with like with with my with my art I try to play like with like being stupid or being very critical while being stupid and it's just like the glitter part is just like I just adopted it digitally because since I was a kid I always loved like you know like glitter and like just wearing like shiny things like like now you know like I love velvet and one of the things that I that I started like working with when I was in college and I was I have a, a painting degree uh, fine arts degree with a specialty in painting so I one time I just go to college and I'm, I have like this homework that the the teacher asked us to do about like a 
a painting that you could do whatever you wanted. And then I I bought glitter and I put like a lot of glitter in my painting and I make like this glitter painting, like huge painting. And then he was like, he saw me and he was like, um, where do you buy this? Like the glitter. And I'm like, well, at, at the office depot and like kind of, kind of that store in Mexico. And he's like, well, that's not an art supply store. Glitter is not art. It's not used for paintings. Glitter is not for art. And I was just like, okay, shit, I'm sorry. And then, <laughs> I don't know. And, and I, and then I, I quit it and I was a very, uh, uh, how do you say classical painting uh, painter and I was always making portraits and these like beautiful uh, young women that were all my friends and I was painting them and then I just I was just one day like fuck it I don't want to keep doing this I'm just gonna do like glitter things you know and I started like making like paintings about social media and everything had glitter and I sold all those paintings people loved them and I was just like I can just do this, but then when I was in the detail art part, because I was making video art and like I didn't want to be like that stupid in my art because I, I thought that I was not going to be like, you know, and I say stupid because I I like to play a lot with different type of textures and concepts and, you know, like memes. I used to do BJ memes, yeah, like I used to BJ memes and like for DJs and stuff in parties in Mexico. So I, I don't know, like the way that I just could connect again with the net art part, just because I, I, I was just like, I'm going to do something with glitter and AI. And then I'm going to say that I'm all this, like I'm an, an NFT AI glitter net artist. Like, you know, it's just like a long title, but it's just like fun to say, because that's how, I don't know, I, I identify my practice and, and my art like that. I love that story. And often those, whether it's a professor or someone who's expressed some kind of critique of your work kind of makes that, that light bulb go off and be like, actually, no, like, I know that this is what I'm meant to do. This is actually what I want to do. And someone else's opinion only makes you stand firmer in your conviction that like, yeah, this is just my thing. And maybe no one else has done it like this before. But that's totally fine, because I'm going to do it my way. I love that. And even we have a shared passion for dolls, D-O-L-L-Z and dolls mania. I recently sent Fabiola the uh, there's a website where there's still a working dolls creator where you can, you know, drag and drop the little outfits on and everything and she had used this in a project that she did where it was a critique of kind of like the socio-political atmosphere of Mexico and I think that that was such a cool thing to have visibility to where it's like you have something as fun and you know stereotypically superficial or vapid like dolls and being able to integrate that and the glitter to make a really strong statement about something that you believe in. I think that's really cool too. Gremlin, you're a musician as well. Yeah. How did how did you get involved in this space and how does pop culture kind of play into what you 
are all about? Yeah. So I got into Web3 probably about a year ago at this point, And I was like, oh, this is an opportunity for me to like make some money trading stuff. Uh, I want to quit my corporate dev job, whatever, whatever. And then started getting like more into it and more deep into it and seeing that there were actually like avant-garde media artists doing stuff. Cause that's what I did when I studied school. I did like experimental music, media art installation major, essentially. Um, I was like, oh, I recognize these sorts of people. This is like what I am. And I was like, this is a total opportunity for me to do what I want to do. And, uh, Previous to that, I had graduated from school and kind of realized that like making noise music wasn't really a viable thing in the real world. So I started uh, making pop music, which was a whole experience. It was like, oh, this will be a total walk in the park. I'm a musician. I'm classically trained, whatever, whatever. And then tried to make some good pop music. And it was just a lot harder than I was thinking of. Uh, so right now, my music kind of sits in between like super experimental classical stuff and pop music because I like to like play with uh taking like an experimental chord putting a candy shell on it and I think that like pop culture is really helpful for that because at the end of the day it's all about like the shiny aesthetics that you put on whatever you're doing and then you can have something going on that's deeper than that but if you have something that like catches people's eye that they uh, recognize then they're a lot more likely to engage with it so things like that could be uh, just like the drums I use, sound effects. Uh, Fabiola and I did a collab where we used some uh, royalty-free cute internet sounds. And I think just like sparkle sounds and sound effects are really cool uh, to incorporate into my musical work. And then it's also about like the packaging of the work too. Because uh, with music, it's a lot about how you present it visually on the internet. So these are things like album art and music videos and stuff like that. So that's where like the uh, pop culture influence really comes in is like how I visually present my work. And a big part of that is the technology that I use for my music videos because I'm really fascinated with early digital technology and kind of the quality of early digital cameras and how that makes it like look lo-fi and cool and stuff like that. So that's a really big part of what I do. That's awesome. And you love Mariah Carey. Yes. We have a shared love. Would you say she's would you say she's your biggest inspiration or what? Even I loved how you described kind of like the candy shell. And actually the the tagline of nostalgia is deep conversations about superficial yes. things. And so I love that we can get so deep into our feelings about things and motivations behind things. And, you know, we're not necessarily talking about the celebrities themselves or, you know, we never do episodes that are dedicated to, you know, anything with guests. We don't do anything that's dedicated to one topic because you guys are the nucleus. Like you're the center. We talk about the things that impact you you know, and and how culture permeates into our lives and kind of makes us who we are. Definitely. Uh, and like, as far as Mariah Carey being an influence, absolutely. Uh, I have a, like a lot of influences. Uh, I'm like a lot, very heavily influenced by rap music as well. Uh, but just being who I am, like me just making straight rap music would not really be something anyone would want 
it's not something I would want. Um, and I think Mariah Carey is just like a really good example of someone, A, who can go over any beat and make it sound good. B, someone who like approaches things with just extreme precision and artistry. Like every note that she sings is completely like placed perfectly. And you know that she wanted it to sound exactly like that. And then also C, she's a total class act. Like you'll never see her like down or like she just always puts on her best face and always like is perform or like comes to perform and comes to like shows up to be the best and be a boss and I think that she's just a really good role model for what I want to accomplish in music it's amazing I love that okay Vivian I want to talk to you about first of all I love your handle. It's Vivian is vulgar. And I want to talk to you about how you have from going to being a Tumblr girly to working in tech. What has it been like for you to shape that virtual identity and persona? And since, you know, we've been on the internet for a little while now, how has evolving the persona that you present or the you know the kind of content you've wanted to make as we've moved from these different social media platforms and as now we're kind of moving away from web two to web three you know what does that journey kind of look like for you I mean I would say like I had I was maybe keeping them separate like I think even still like online I'm kind of weird about being like forthcoming about like where I'm working or what I do for work um and I think that's just kind of like a holdover from when I first started working in tech um because I like like previous to that was just kind of like presenting myself online as like an artist and I think I really didn't want um where I work to influence how people think about my photography um especially because my photography was very much like about um, my life and you know if you have this like bit of information about my life that isn't like included in the work but you like know about it because I'm I'm online like how does that shape the narrative that's that I'm like trying to create um, so I, I feel like I always just kept it very separate but I think um, I always felt maybe like oh like I'm an artist and I just have like this like corporate day job and like whatever and I think increasingly I'm almost like oh like maybe I'm like not an artist in the way that I thought I was and I don't know I think I'm becoming more comfortable with just being like I'm a tech employee who gives a fuck uh I don't know like I think there are a lot of artists and I don't know if my contribution to the world will necessarily be art. Maybe. It was a random I think your answer. life is art. <laughs> and I read an article recently that was talking about, remember that recent controversy with Try Guys, the YouTube mm. guy who made mm-hmm. his wife and his family his whole personality and mm-hmm. then he cheated on his wife mm-hmm. so this article basically said it's not about the fact that he cheated on his wife that mm-hmm. has people so upset it's the fact that he has shattered the illusion mm-hmm. that he is not this person who's this family man who's so devoted like everyone thought he was totally. and when you kind of break down that fourth wall yeah you are letting people see your life and people might see things that they don't want to see and 
you know, there are all kinds of issues there where it's like everyone, if you have a public platform, everyone is still not entitled to Mm -hmm. know everything, Mm -hmm. every single detail, every single facet Mm -hmm. about your life. And I think that that is, it's been an interesting evolution. I don't know if you feel the same way too, where it's like, there's definitely been different waves of normalcy, I guess, and what's considered something that you would share online versus wouldn't. And I think also as the millennial generation has started having kids, you've seen so many people go from lifestyle and fashion influencers Mm -hmm. to mommy influencers. Mm -hmm. And it's just like such a weird phenomenon because we're growing up with the internet in a way that we haven't seen before. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, uh, I don't know, like, at the end of the day, in my opinion, like, all of it is a performance. So, like, maybe during, like, an earlier part of the internet, we might not have shown, like, these things that, like, aren't romanticized or glamorized or, like, you know, peak lifestyle content. And now, I think, to keep things, like, fresh and to offer different kinds of content, it's, like, you know, the types of bloggers or whoever that are popular and kind of like going viral are these people who are more like authentic but like that authenticity is still like very manufactured so like elements of my photography that I was making and sharing on tumblr in like 2013 people would say like oh your work is so like raw it's so authentic and I'm like it's like very much not though like it is this like veil of authenticity like it is creating the illusion that you know everything about my life but you like in reality like don't it's just like I'm showing you moments that a person air quotes might not normally show you but like that doesn't mean that it's more real or not it's it's almost like psyoping you into believing that like it's real but um I don't know I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen like articles about this or like TikTok videos where people are talking about it but um you know like on Instagram the like photo dump which is just like instead of posting like here's my perfectly curated life it's like oh here's like a bunch of messy pictures and it's like so it's like this perfectly curated array of images that showcase that like you're just like them and I don't know I don't everything we're doing online is a performance like uh it's like a little tv show that you're performing for other people the fact that you know other people are looking at it is like it creates like a level of like falsehood no it's interesting too because that made me think of i watched this uh there's like a gen z vlogger on youtube who talks about pop culture and she was talking about industry plants the other day Mm -hmm. um And it's interesting because now record labels are taking kind of like the bedroom pop aesthetic and applying that to their artists. So it's like this person is like making songs in their bedroom and showing like the behind the scenes and being like, oh, I'm like this cute up and coming person doing this all by myself sort of thing. But in reality, it's record label money coming in and they're being told how to do all this stuff because they're like kind of filtering this aesthetic from like actual DIY artists and stuff like that and seeing that people see that as genuine and authentic and applying that to their artists to market it better so it's like now it's really a psyop yeah I saw because you know for every 
in you know so-called indie artist on tiktok there's like the sleuths on tiktok behind it being like what's the real story and even with um i think her name is gail the song a b c d e f u like that they said oh the person who mentioned that in a tiktok comment was from the record label and this and that and that's kind of how it came together and yeah i would agree with that sentiment of everything that we put out on social media is a show and because you know that people are watching I think that it does affect how you behave and people would behave differently if Mm -hmm. they knew that no one was watching Mm -hmm. yeah like something that always like creeps me out kind of are like TikToks where people are just like ugly crying to the camera but like saying something really funny and I'm like, that's really, like, bizarre to me, kind of. And maybe I'm just, like, old school millennial, but I'm like, you'll, like, never catch me crying online, on video, looking ugly for attention. Like, I would never. I would only be pretty online to get people's attention. Exactly. <laughs> or it's like I don't know I'm just like oh like performative ugliness like that's like a whole other thing that we could talk about just like I don't know sorry I I don't purposely grotesque or something which I also think is like interesting I guess like I feel like I sound like a hater but it's actually just like it's all very interesting like no it's totally interesting things like uh shift uh Something I've been talking about with my friend for a really long time. Um, and I kind of wish I like did some writing about it. Uh, so I could kind of like claim the, I don't know, the subject um, or like be the person who like started the conversation. But I think literally since like 2020, um, I was telling my friend about this idea I had that I wanted to call like air quotes dumb bitch theory, which is not a very good name. But um, I feel like people are like online we spent so much time like performing um not necessarily like virtue signaling but like we can also call it virtue signaling where like um we're all kind of like engaging in these conversations online that are very important regarding like all these different like big topics and I think the idea is like oh if we talk about these issues online we're amplifying this conversation and therefore we will be creating social change but I think 2020 like we did a lot of that and like what were the changes that came of that and I think people became really like disillusioned from like participating in like conversations revolving around like like class healthcare, like um racial justice like all of these things and like we got like nothing out of it um and I think people wanted to pivot to being like dumb online um because doing this kind of like discussing these issues and like performing smartness or feeling like you have to like know about issues to like not be scolded by your peers like didn't accomplish anything in the world so now it's like oh like now it's like oh I'm a fucking bimbo like bimbo this bimbo that like hyper femininity um like you know a pivot away from being like worldly to like you know this like faux Catholicism that's like bubbling up like being traditional 
that's just like my rant on that which is just like i don't know behaviors online change so rapidly like people can go from like yelling about something online to like i'm stupid no thoughts head empty like himbos bimbos like blah, 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 blah. there are a lot of books about like the psychology on the internet i have this book it's amazing it's from the 90s and it talks about how before the online interactions were done and i remember when i was using the internet like everything was so raw you know like it, it was i could be a 11 year old girl like chatting with people all around the world and now like the like it's almost like control in some way but and that's not my point but the thing is that how before people used to meet each other like through a picture like oh send me a picture and like asl and you know like and and how like the things that you were playing the forums because before there were forums before twitter and and like the social media that we usually like type a lot like like you like we talk a lot about stuff and people were not trying to be famous not as much as now and there's other uh this is called the psychology of the internet by patricia wallace and there's another book called uh this the society of the spectacle uh it's uh, about me it's michaela marzano i think and it talks also about like how the violence is something that people are like looking for all the time and before we had rotten.com and then we had live leak and now live leak it's like it's gone because it was too gory but it because it was like real videos right and it's just like the way that as you said like everyone is making a performance and it's it's just like how is like being in social media i also see it like this it's surveillance capitalism and it's like a reality show it's just like you are portraying yourself out there online and you're all the time like yeah i can control what others see about me but also like is it's just like i'm giving that information away so people can see me because i want to be seen in some way and also i related a lot with what you said because i am an seo consultant and i never say that like and i am very good with the keywords and i love how to look to to uh, like people as statistics so when you want to sell something to someone you just have to look to all these searches of the people and i feel like i am like stalking people through statistics of their google searches and i i really love that job and especially in this culture now like the gen z uh generation like uh how they really want to be seen like they they want to be youtubers and tiktokers and stuff like that but also there's a, a big pressure of being like that kind of person right and like having all this pressure of always like don't like don't mess up don't don't do this and mm. don't do that and yeah. don't get drunk and that's how you saw it like with Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan like they were Miley Cyrus they were like this like picture of not like perfect girls but like well-behaved girls and then mm. when they started like having their issues like we like that's the first time that i also saw like a celebrity just going down a rabbit hole like mm. it's, it was just like and it was like what like that like 2000s like y2k like that's when it just something happened 
Yeah, I feel like that's also related to, like, internet access. Like, I was, um, what, I think it was Netflix. Netflix did, like, a very short docuseries about the bling ring. Um, and, uh, they were talking about how, like, because it was kind of, like, the early part of, like, internet being more, like, widely accessible to people. So, um, fuck, like, Perez Hilton or something. Like, there could be these kind of, like, celebrity gossip blogs that were like like just like by the second like you could have like celebrity gossip and that the bling ring was sort of using um these websites to track like where celebrities might be and um like what their behaviors might be and then kind of uh deciding like which celebrities to target to go rob um i was also just thinking about um like this whole like idea of being like dumb online I think is also kind of like a revival of like you know Y2K nostalgia just like kind of this like um you know it's like the fact that like Paris Hilton is like kind of like in pop culture lexicon again um because for a while like you didn't want to be like Paris Hilton right like you didn't want to be like rich and blonde and skinny or, or like kind of like not like bragging about it but like you didn't want those things to be who you were and like for a while you wanted to be like oh you make money but you're like modest about it and like maybe you're thin but like not too like I don't know uh and now like it's just full pivot like back to like Paris Hilton worship kind of yeah like Britney Spears like literally all of these celebrities who are in like pop culture dominance right now it's like interesting that it's like all from that era I feel like the cool or the interesting thing with Paris Hilton is like her whole thing is that she's actually like pretty intelligent person, but she like puts on this facade totally. of being like very mm-hmm. airheady uh, as like yeah. a performance sort of thing. So it's interesting yeah. to see that come back in. Um, I'm also interested too, just like what you guys think the impact of like how Instagram content content algorithms plays in this because it's like we're at this point where it's like if you don't put out particular aesthetics then your stuff just doesn't get seen and so I feel like there's pressure to like present a certain way or like create certain types of content in order for you to like actually exist on the internet. I think that the reason that in the last year or so that I've been able to pull back from having Instagram have such like a chokehold on I guess me personally but really everyone was my dive into web three and in thinking Mm. about how new technology could bring us all together connect us foster a sense of inclusion and belonging that was all I ever really kind of hoped for and I since being on social media have always had kind of an outward facing presence but deeply rejected the influencer moniker and You know, I lived in downtown Manhattan when everyone was going and taking their pictures for Instagram with professional photographers on my street corner. And and you just live in the bubble and you kind of see the disparity between what it is like living in person versus then, you know, the finalized product that you end up seeing when something gets posted online and I ultimately knew that if I wanted to be an influencer in the Instagram 1.0 era of, you know, 2015, 2016, I would have ultimately had to posture and just 
be somebody else in a way that Mm -hmm. there always was some kind of it was an integrity thing and I Mm -hmm. felt like I just want to be me Mm -hmm. but at the same time in that era of Instagram it's like why is just being me not quote enough yeah and so finally getting to this point where it's like you know what I'm never gonna have a bunch of followers and I it's actually okay for that to not be my goal Mm -hmm. my goal is to have people continue to send me memes saying hey this reminded me of you Mm -hmm. or hey you should talk about this on your podcast or Mm -hmm. oh hey I listened to this episode and it was really funny or they'll send me a random YouTube video and the way that you're able to realize that okay with social media I can no matter what this algorithm does I can know what my personal goal is which is to feel like I'm connected to people Mm -hmm. and people can look to me as somebody who you know especially when it comes to pop culture finally accepting Mm -hmm. that instead of feeling dumb about academic things or quote smart things I can feel smart about so-called dumb things Mm -hmm. I did an episode a little while ago with my friend Bridget she runs a meme account called literal trash 2004 and it is exactly what it sounds like and I'm like we're naming this episode I am trash but I am free Mm -hmm. because whatever you like I've really done a lot too to dissect the difference between high culture and low culture and what having quote taste means to and I read somewhere in an article recently where it's like taste isn't oh you're only interested in fine arts and fine culture and whatever it means that you have a highly curated or highly specific taste and I'm like I if we're going by that definition I have great taste because you can pinpoint something or you go on my bright ass green chartreuse website and see all these collages like you get an idea pretty quickly of what that personal brand is and I think finally just realizing that standing in conviction in my own personal brand and in my own interests no matter how stupid they might seem to other people like that that makes me feel better than the number of likes or followers on something. And Mm -hmm. as much as it sounds so superficial and dumb, social media has had a grip on all of us, Mm -hmm. especially people who are creators, especially people who put themselves out there, put out projects, sometimes monetize those projects. It has been a lot of pressure in the past. And now with the idea of my mind already being in the future, I'm sure yours are too. Like we're in the future already. So to think about the possibilities that that can grant for your art, for your music, for your photography, that's way more exciting to me than what an algorithm's doing right now. Yeah, no, I think too, like we're in a point where like everything is so highly curated and we're being like fed really like uh, pointed content or like uh, targeted content that you really start to see people who just say things, dress certain ways, do certain things because that's what's been served to them through their content diet. And I think like the distinguishing factor between like artists and like non-artists is like the people who curate aesthetics outside of what's just being like served to them on their like continuous scroll and people who don't have like that critical thinking with what comes into their life. I think that's gonna be like a big shift in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think people increasingly, like, don't know how to, like, research or something. Um, 
which I find like fascinating because I'm like, oh, the world is like the internet is huge. It's full of all this information, but like you're being served a very small part of it. And I think I have a lot of feelings about the subject of algorithms because like I used to work at Instagram and parts of my work, um, I did a lot of stuff, uh, but some of it touched on like machine learning algorithms and like interest-based communities and um I don't like know how much I can talk about it but like I often am like oh like you helped make this like horrible world that we live in um and I don't yeah like I just I'm almost like anti-algorithm at this point um because I don't know I, I think you should be like you can be so expensive like people are expensive like we are multi-dimensional and I feel like algorithms keep us very one-dimensional and in like I feel like algorithms are very like people who are like you liked other things like this and it's like well what if what if I'm going to be really interested in something extremely different and like people like me haven't had the opportunity to explore that yet um, like, how would you know that I wouldn't like that? And it's kind of fun to see, like, who the internet thinks that I am. Like, one of the things that my my husband told me one time is just, like, it's just that I don't want, I want to be consumed because of my art, but I don't want to consume other people's shit. So it's just, like, and it's, and when he told me that, I was just, like, I, I was, like, yeah, you're, like, it, you're right because I don't want to see like everyone like what 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 they're doing all the time or what they're posting because also that depressed me, you know. And it's just like I try not to engage nothing on Instagram, or TikTok, or Facebook or just Twitter. And actually, I don't follow also like these big accounts with super, I don't know, like powerful and successful people, right? Because that also like it's inevitable that in my mind I compare myself to them and it's just like I don't want to feel like this and I don't want to have that many followers because that would give me anxiety like with the things that are happening now to me and people are talking to me and I'm going to parties or making making these FWB events and then people are just like coming over to talk to me and I'm just like I in the, in a party I had to hide in a room for like 15 minutes because I was just like so anxious and every time I'm like I don't know in an event it's just like the anxiety that like how social media connects you with other people and how in real life they manifest and then they want to talk to you and it's just like the like the restroom or a or a, just a room feels like the safer place and that's how I also feel about social media because sometimes I don't post at all or I post just stupid things but like just memes or just a dumb image it's just like I feel a lot of pressure like to be intellectual to be funny to be pretty to be smart to be uh like innovative to be to make new things and always like with with AI like now you're also pressured like if you were pressured before to make content and art like digital art because it was easier that because that's also what my friends used to tell me like oh yeah you just you don't have to do anything you just sit on the computer and you make your stuff like you don't even like grab a, a pencil to draw or like a brush to paint like you don't do that anymore and I was just like that is 
true i don't use that but i also am like sitting on the computer almost like more than 14 hours like a day because i'm working there because that's where i do my work and that's where i do my art and with ai art is also like all the time people are like expecting something from you like you know like every day it's a new post every day it's a new piece of art because you have to because it's new and you can do it and you can be like this art machine with ai and it's also like the pressure of like i'm an am i an as like enough ai artist am i am i producing enough am i selling enough nfts am i like and it's just like these things all the time like just like you know um getting there and like the pressure of social media and the pressure of the NFTs and the pressure of being an AI artist. I think like right now we're constantly living in this uh, perpetual pressure of being always someone relevant online. Uh, I think it's just because like if people are following, you want to be like you feel like you need to work for the fact that they're following you. And it's like, yeah. because it's like, oh, like you follow me, therefore I perform for you. And that is like what we're doing here. And I feel like that's like, I think in a way like social media where you don't see like the follow count. So I think about like Tumblr because like public follow counts like wasn't um, really a thing. And I think people would kind of treat you more normally than they do now because now it's like they can see how many people follow you and how many people you follow back and people like ascribe importance to that and um like I've you know like I don't know if this ever happened to any of y'all but like somebody with like a lot of Instagram followers like being mean to you and I'm just like just like it's really bizarre that you like think you get to be mean to me because your number is bigger than mine um or, like, I've had people be, like, mean to me because they think that I, like, don't have a following and then they see that I have a little bit of a following and then, like, suddenly they're nice to me and going, like, hey, baby. And I'm, like, you're so, like, it's so transparent what you're doing. So what, like, Fabiola was saying about having to, like, produce a lot and, like, put out content regularly, I feel like a big part of that is just, like, the Web2 economies of scale. So from like a music standpoint, your main platforms of net worth generation are like Spotify and YouTube streams, which is like the amount of money you make per stream is so inconsequential that like in order to have any sort of impact financially, you have to have like hundreds and thousands of plays. And so it's like a big part of that is you have to put out tons and tons of content because if you have a hundred songs and everybody listens to each song a hundred times, that's like way better than if you have five songs and people listen to that a thousand times uh, sort of situation. And that was like something that really drew me to Web3 in the uh, once I got into it was that you don't have to have as big of a spread because the audience is really sticky. So it's like you can have like those five fans who are just like diehard fans for what you do and they collect every single piece of work that you do and you can like sell that at scale in a way that's like financially meaningful and then you can like start to make more uh, meaningful art and put a little bit more time and care into it. And I think that's something that's really exciting for me. Yeah, I recently found on TikTok there was this just – like a random kid who did a cover of Taylor Swift's Antihero. 
and I'm like, wow, I love this version. It was kind of like, you can pop punk anything and I'll be like, great, love it. And I commented and said, wow, I love this, this version. And he commented back saying, oh, great. Thank you. The whole version is up on Spotify. So I go to Spotify. I listen to the song. He did a cover of Baby One More Time. I'm listening. He's done a few other covers. I'm listening. And I'm just thinking to myself, I love that I can enjoy this music, but what impact does it truly have if he's getting, you know, a few thousand streams here or there? So Gremlin, I want to know how you feel like distribution wise and even in web three, like what this can kind of look like where if I do have an artist that I want to support and they are smaller scale, like I feel like just listening to them on Spotify is not enough to really support them in a way that can help bolster their platform. Like how does that look where like in again I guess web three how it kind of fits into the answer of how we can really support musicians and artists that we care about in a way that directly benefits them yeah so I think there are a couple ways because I think about this a lot um one way is to like mint a song as an nft that's like not my favorite way I think that's like kind of it doesn't really work with the way that people interface with music. And it's like to go out of your way to listen to something uh, on a different platform than what you're used to. It means that most people are like less likely to do that. But I think that just being able to like auction off things for like a high amount of money is really helpful. So I know that a lot of people do like the sound XYZ auctions and have had a lot of success with that. And that's cool. Kind of what I think about with my uh, practice is that like the music is going to be the music. You're going to listen to it on streaming and you should enjoy it. And that's like the core of what I do. But if you're a super fan, there can be like other additional things that are tagged on to that where you can like show your additional uh, support. And so it's like things like auctioning, making like animated cover art and auctioning that off. It's like if somebody buys the cover art for my next EP, you feel like a really cool fan because you're like, oh, I have Bool's like EP cover. There's only one of them uh, and I bought it for this amount of money. So you can kind of have that like swag bag sort of uh, feeling with it and just like thinking of like ways to like tack on additional experiences to the core of what you're doing. Uh, another thing is this is like still completely underdeveloped in my mind and also just like from a technology standpoint. Um, but streaming is a really interesting way of doing that. And I know there are like some, uh, services that are starting to do like token gated streaming so like if you own an nft by me you have like more access to me than the average fan would so it's like you could come on my stream and talk with me and like see the behind the scenes of what i'm doing and just like finding ways to take these like quote-unquote super fan activities and monetize them would be like a way to really support an artist and what they're doing while also like enjoying their music on a platform that like it's just a streaming platform that's like convenient to you that's kind of my thoughts on it yeah I think a lot about the intersection of fandom and web 3 and how 
fandom and loyalty will be rewarded going forward. And I have this vision and absolutely no way to execute. If there are any founders who are listening to this who want to do this, great. I picture almost like the inside of a dollhouse, right? And, you know, with the dollhouse, you have a bunch of different rooms. And so in the bedroom, you would have a shelf and it would have all of your different whether it's the CDs or vinyl covers or like any of those items that you've collected in digital form, you would kind of have a virtual library of those, like how people collect all kinds of merchandise in their bedroom. And then you would have a living room where that would be where like, okay, we're going to have the artist do a performance in the living room and everybody is going to sit on the floor and listen to this artist play and I picture, I actually did a, a cast on Farcaster recently that said, okay, who's making the hit clips of Web3? Because I would love to even see a browser where it's like, okay, a music room in the dollhouse where it's like you have the little hit clips mechanism and all of the songs that you've purchased as NFTs, you click a button and it kind of plays them like a hit clip and therefore normalizes this kind of like, fractionalized music listening where you have one browser where you have almost like a cohesive playlist that you can curate similar to Spotify but at the same time be able to display it in like a fun and kitschy way to also show support for the artist's that you care about because if we could listen to hit clips where we only got 30 seconds of one song I think that there are ways that just like we've talked about with social media behaviors and patterns, it's all just about what becomes into the normalcy and, and you know, whatever is considered socially acceptable way to behave online. And I think that will continue to evolve. We always get to this place where it's like we think we've evolved as much as we're ever going to. And then something happens and kind of like changes everything. Also, I just want to thank you guys for being here today. It was so, so fun, fun having thanks you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Sorry, Very sorry. intense conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I feel like a lot of us think about these things and maybe don't necessarily have an outlet for it. I think that on social media, because we present what we want to outwardly, sometimes we can feel like we're alone or like we're in a silo or like we're in an echo chamber of our own thoughts and secretly everybody else is kind of thinking the same thing. So mm -hmm. I like to be able to have these conversations to be like, okay, we're all kind of feeling this way or that way about something. We're all excited for the future of how technology can unlock certain things for us personally and professionally. And then we're well aware too of any kind of implications or negative or unintended consequences that technology can have on us. So it's very fascinating so to explore. Fun. Thank you guys so much. Thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. 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 That's a wrap for this week. If you like Nostalgia, please connect with me on social, subscribe to the Nostalgia newsletter at nostalgia.substack.com and follow, rate, review, on your platform of choice. Everything's linked in the show notes, including where to find more about our guest of the week. Thank you so, so much for your support. And that was this week's episode of Nostalgia.